you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. The Chris Voss Show. Com. Hey, we're coming here with a, another great podcast. We certainly appreciate you tuning in and coming on the show. Wow. 2021. Holy crap. Hopefully you've been catching the latest episodes. We just did a huge four part rendition where we went through all the authors that were on the show last year. And I uh, gave you some of the backstory, some of the details from the green room, some of my impressions of the authors, uh, all the fun we had, um, and, uh, some of the stories and anecdotes and stuff. So if you get a chance, go listen to that four part theories, uh, series. I just banged through, uh, all the authors that were on the show. It was quite extraordinary to go through in my remembrances, of the shows and stuff. And it was quite fun. And there's some really cool gems and tidbits of what I share with you about the authors in there. Go to goodreads.com forward slash Chris Voss, uh, and you can go to see the live, well, it's not live, but the video version of this at youtube.com forward slash Chris Voss. You can also go to the Chris Voss show on Facebook. There's a ton of groups on Facebook. You can Google the Chris Voss show. There's a bunch of groups on LinkedIn. You can uh, follow the Chris Voss show as well. And we're also on Instagram. Go to the cvpn.com, follow on name podcast. And this episode is brought to you by IFI Audio and their new Neo IDSD. The Neo is the new wave of digital sound listening for your desktop, music, gaming, and bleeding edge Bluetooth, even MQA audio file decoding. Uh, we're using it in the studio right now. I've loved my experience with it so far. It just makes everything sound so much more richer and better and takes things to the next level. IFI Audio is an award-winning audio tech company with one aim in mind to improve your music enjoyment of quality sound, eradicate noise distortion, and hiss from your listening experience. Check out their new incredible lineup of DACs and audio enhancement devices at ifi-audio.com. Today, we have a most excellent author. This gentleman is the author. He's kind of a fledgling author. He only has like more than 30 novels. So, uh, and he's done a lot of writing. Let me get into his stuff. Lee Goldberg. He's written his newest book, and uh, the newest book is called Bone Canyon. I'll go ahead and hold it up on the screen for the YouTube folks. Uh, Lee is a two-time Edgar Award and two-time Seamus Award nominee and the number one New York Times bestselling author of more than 30 novels. He has also written and or produced many TV shows, including Diagnosis Murder, Sequest, and Monk. He is the co-creator of the Mystery 101 series of Hallmark Movies. As an international television consultant, he has advised networks and studios in Canada, France, Germany, Spain, China, Sweden, and the Netherlands on the creation, writing, and production of episodic television series. You can find more information about Lee and his work at LeeGoldberg.com. I just did the plug for you. Welcome to the show. How are you, Lee? It's great to be here. I, I love all the places you can find the Chris Voss show. You left out Pornhub, though, which I think is your biggest audience. That's kind of a, it's kind of a secret. It's kind of a secret thing. And we even have an OnlyFans too, right? Everyone's got And, and, and I want to thank you for mentioning all of my credits that 
appeal to the elderly audience out there. That's great. I'm big in retirement homes across the country. <laughs> I am. I'm big. I walk in there and I'm like a god. Well, as we talked they about, they wave before. their walkers and they throw depends at me. I, I just, I, I can't get within a mile of a retirement home without hearing the the cries of, of praise. <laughs> This is gonna be the hardest. You're laughing. I'm telling the truth. No, you're killing me. It's awesome. It's funny. I'm up there with Andy Griffith's ghost. (laughs) You know, actually, wasn't he on one of the shows that my mom referenced? We talked in the Matlock. Yes, yeah. And she's like, he was on the show, and I'm like, okay, well, all right, well, there you go. Um, so uh, yeah, as we did talk uh, prior in the green room, uh, if you will. Oh, and you have a beautiful green room, by the way. That cyclo massage recliner you've got, and and all you can eat Doritos. I may never leave your green room. Yeah, and uh, there's even like a Jeffrey tube and washing basin uh, yeah. to wash your hands. Essential um, for these Zoom conversations. That's just bad. I made that reference. So anyway, uh, my mom loves your stuff, so you you clearly know your audience, and uh, people can check you out. Uh, and uh, so, Lee, let's get into the book, Bone Canyon, your newest book that's just come out. Uh, is this available right now? Or are it's we available in everywhere in hardcover, paperback, ebook. And audio, is and uh, it's not a geriatric no, book. It's it's not diagnosis murder or Matlock or murder. She wrote. I, I hope what it is is a cutting edge police procedural that breaks some of the cliches and tropes of of the genre and offers an exhilarating read. Uh, it's about a young woman, the youngest female homicide detective in Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, who didn't get the job because she deserved it or has the expertise, but because. She made an off-duty arrest of a, of a Hollywood star who was beating up his girlfriend and all got on video. And she became a, a viral video celebrity and was able to leverage that in a promotion she doesn't deserve. And so she's constantly having to prove herself. And this is one of her most challenging cases. She's not Barnaby Jones. She's not Dr. Mark Sloan. She's not even Harry Bosch. She's, she's struggling to prove herself. She's got unique skills and an innate sense of justice but make some huge mistakes along the way. So now is this a second part in a series? It's the second book in the series. The third book will be out in October. And depending on how well these two books do, hopefully there'll be a fourth book in, in 2022. And then maybe they'll become something on Hallmark, like a Monk series. Not, not Hallmark. Like Actually, the uh, I, I can't I've signed a non-disclosure agreement, oh. but a major television network has already uh, optioned uh, the Eve Ronan series and is developing it. It could be on the air as early as, as this coming fall. I should be so lucky. This is a great reason to get the book, guys, because you can get the heads up that, that you can say, I read that book when. There you go. <laughs> so um, 30 plus books, quite an extraordinary career. Um, you see like it's over. You had such an extraordinary <laughs> career before you did my show and your career ended. <laughs> that's great i don't know (laughs) Uh, so i have to call arby's and see if they're accepting job applications amazon is so there's that um so in writing the book what was it that motivated you to want to write this particular book on this subject or name it bone canyon or or shape the story around that narrative well a couple reasons one i really want to get back to eve ronan a character I, i i love writing but the book picks up right after the end of Lost Hills, and Lost Hills ends with a giant wildfire racing through the Santa Monica Mountains, which was fictional when I wrote it, but actually happened. There there was a massive wildfire that went through the Santa Monica Mountains, and in its wake, all this 
all these trees and shrubs and stuff that had built up over the decades burned away and not only revealed the naked hillsides, but revealed a lot of bodies. People came back to their homes and there were bones in the backyard. And, and it, it turned out that, that, that you know, gang members were, were killing their adversaries and tossing their bodies in the canyons. And the bodies were never found because the foliage hid them. So with, the, with all that stuff burned away, all these old bones came tumbling down. So those were found, but also there was a, a woman who had Alzheimer's who, who wandered out of a, a museum in Midtown Los Angeles, and they found her in a canyon. There was a couple that disappeared on their way back from LAX. They found their car in a canyon. That was so fascinating to me. I, I had to write a, a novel based on that premise, that the fire cleared away all this brush, and now the dead are rising. So while my book is not based on reality, it's based on some inspired by real events. That's awesome. Uh, note to self, erase my Canyon GPS history from a few years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Excuse me for taking a drink. I, I have a bad allergy today and, and my nose and throat are all clogged up. It's Diet Coke, so it's, it's okay. No one watching will, will get it. There you it. go. We got the Diet Coke plug in there. Um, I'll ask them for some money. <laughs> so this is really interesting. It's a it's an interesting book because there's some science that you put into this with scorched bones and and uh, a lot of the different things that goes into this. It was quite extraordinary to learn some of this stuff. Did you, did you do any background study on this? I did a lot of research. I went to a homicide investigators training conference. I interviewed forensic anthropologists. I read a bunch of books on forensic anthropology. Now, I read homicide a bunch of papers training? on it. And then I kind of toss it all aside. I don't want to overwhelm my readers with evidence that look at all the research I did and bore them with all this exposition and, and, and dry facts. I just wanted informing what, I, what my characters say and do. And so there, there's a knowledge behind it. I, I really don't like when authors feel the need to prove to readers, hey, look, I actually went to this place or hey, look, I took this course. Um, all I'm looking for is the one telling detail, the one colorful moment, the one smell, the one taste, the one visual that will ground my story in reality so I can completely BS you the rest of the time, <laughs> that you'll believe all of my imaginary crap. Because I'm, I'm not doing a documentary. I'm, I'm writing fiction. I'm writing entertainment. So all I need to do is to completely deceive you so that you buy what I'm saying and then you're along for the ride. It's called getting the, the reader to suspend their disbelief. And, and the way to do that is just with a, a nugget of truth, and you can trump the rest of it, as in Donald Trump. Not that's like my first marriage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so this is pretty interesting. I mean, you 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 put some studies into it. I was pulling the joke out there. You went to you said you went to homicide training, which uh, I think my I think my girlfriend uh, watches CS shows all the time. She calls it that homicide training. So I'm my, my sure wife, my wife who's French, says. My husband spends all his days doing perfect murders. If I'm killed before him, I don't care if I'm hit by a bus or a meteor. I want a complete investigation because I was murdered. You know, it doesn't sound like Inspector Clouseau, but I can't do her, her accent. Oh. Was a, no, I spend all day thinking about murder, so, so she's, she's worried. And yeah. she has no reason to be. We've been happily married for 30 years. <laughs> That's hilarious. I never even thought of that angle where you're like, hey, honey, is that life insurance pretty good? She's like, you write murder books. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, my, my brother Todd and I, if we're being watched by the FBI for our internet searches, we're in deep, deep trouble. Oh, I didn't even think deep, about that. Deep, deep oh trouble. Yeah. You're like, no, I, I'm not researching murder to murder someone. I'm writing a book. 
I'm, I'm researching, you know, bombs and child pornography and poisons. And I mean, all this stuff. And my search history is terrifying. Note to self, when they catch me, use my search history for a book. <laughs> That's <laughs> my defense. Uh, so uh, pretty interesting. Uh, you took an inter, uh, interrogation course. Yes. Um, that's or ordinarily closed to civilians uh, at the Los Angeles Police Academy. Uh, that was pretty interesting. Did you, what, what did you learn from that? I learned that my daughter lies all the time, all the time, constantly. Wow. She a teenager. She's a terrible liar. I love my daughter, but no. Um, but it, it, it was fascinating. Um now I watch interviews in a whole new way on television. He's lying. He's lying. Yeah. Is there a whole bunch of tells? And I, I've taken actually this course in a number of, of venues. Uh, it's taught by former LAPD homicide detective Paul Bishop. He's also an anti-terrorism expert, but his real skill is interrogation. And he goes around the country to law enforcement agencies, big and small, teaching the skills of interrogation. And I've attended his course, the hour-long version, the day-long version, the multiple-day version, and they're, they're all fascinating. And, and uh, the, the most intense one was the one I attended at the Los Angeles Police Academy, and it, it was great. Um, but again, it, it just informs my writing. I don't you know, harp on it. Uh, it just makes my, the interrogation scenes in my books and my scripts more realistic. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm telling people, you know, I, I, in fact, I don't say in my book that I attended the interrogation training uh, that I can waterboard with the best of them. I, I just, <laughs> I haven't waterboarded my dog. Did you take a crap in my office? Yeah, I, I get that. Uh, if I leave the toilet seat up, I get the waterboarding. Um, so you set the series in your hometown of Calabasas. Uh, why did you choose that location? Because I'm painfully lazy. I just, I don't want to leave the house. No, um, I, I did it because I wanted to write a police procedural. And there's no city I know better than the one I, I live in, which is essentially Los Angeles. But Los Angeles has been done to death by Michael Connolly, Raymond Chandler, Robert Crace, Joseph Wamba. Those are just in books. I mean, then you also have all the TV shows that have been set here you know, all the movies, how the hell can I write about Los Angeles in a way that hasn't been written about to death? So I chose writing not only about, not about the LAPD, but the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, which hasn't been written about too often. Mm. And then I wrote about this island within Los Angeles, the Lost Hills jurisdiction of the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. It is, it encompasses Calabasas, Hidden Hills, the Santa Monica Mountains, Topanga Canyon, and Malibu. So you have all kinds of, of socioeconomic classes in there. You have rural, you have movie stars, it, it, you have state parks. It, it's, you, have, you actually have you know, movie studios, you have movie backlots, you have Western towns and things that are in, erected in Santa Monica uh, Park, it, 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 uh, Santa Monica State Park. It's, uh, it's rich and, and, and no one has written about it. Plus there's built-in conflict because constant fights over jurisdiction, because the, the Lost Hills jurisdiction is bounded by the Ventura County Sheriff's Department, the LAPD, and other jurisdictions. And it's, it's, it's a big fight over who has the rights to, to, inter, to intercede in that crime. So it was, it was great. It gave me so much to write about and hopefully will give me so much to write about. And I don't need to walk very far to do my research. I, I could do it during a pandemic. 
There you go. There you go. And the Lost Hills uh, Sheriff Station that's in the book is is also uh, part of your area. It's real. I mean, <laughs> I didn't make that up, and it's notorious. I mean, that's where Mel Gibson was arrested. That's where I don't know if you where you live or if this this story went national, but there's Matrice Richardson. She was the woman who was arrested. She had eaten a bunch of meals. She ate a very expensive meal at a Malibu restaurant, and she was psychologically unhinged and she got arrested and hauled into lost hills and and they released her at like two in the morning didn't call anybody to pick her up didn't arrange for any transportation and she disappeared and i can't remember what it was a few months or a year later her her bones were found in a canyon in the santa monica mountains and no one knows what happened to her and there have been all kinds of of huge scandals in the lost hill station but also Kobe Bryant's helicopter crashed right below my backyard here oh, in wow. Calabasas. And that was a Lost Hills case. There have been a number of, of big cases involving uh, celebrities in Hidden Hills and Malibu and Calabasas that Lost Hills has dealt with. And Lost Hills has cycled through a lot of commanders because of sexual harassment and other allegations. So it's, it's, it's a great setting for my book as well obviously they have not let me in the door but otherwise <laughs> it's a great setting you guys sound like the bermuda triangle of la what the it hell it is it <laughs> is it's it's a fascinating corner of los angeles so the story tells the uh, tell us more about the character uh and what she does there's a, i think there's a secondary character in there uh her, her police chief and stuff like that yeah, Eve, uh, Eve Ronan, as i mentioned earlier is, is in her 20s she's the youngest female homicide detective ever in the los angeles county sheriff's department because she got this job by leveraging her popularity at a time when the sheriff's department is plagued with scandal and corruption, uh, she's not well liked in her department by men or by women. And although she has some innate skills, she doesn't really know what she's doing, but she's determined to do the right thing, which puts her into conflict with a lot of people. She's partnered with a fat old detective on his way to retirement because no one else wanted to be with her. He doesn't either, but he gets stuck with her. And he, he grudgingly learns to respect her, her talents, and also becomes sort of a, a mentor to her. Um, so so it's, an, it's an odd couple partner situation in that she's partnered with a guy who is old enough to be her father, who's almost three times older than her and uh, is, is nearing retirement any moment. But also she's dealing with her own celebrity. It's not just the viral video, but the first case that was in my book, Lost Hills, got her so much fame that now there's a television series being developed about her. So now she has to deal with the mythical version uh-huh. of herself and, and, the, and all the jealousy that comes from the Hollywood attention and, and, and the push pull of, do I give in to, to that, to Hollywood? To the, the, and, and she has her own, unlike a lot of these detectives that I'm, I'm so tired of these middle-aged white detectives who are brilliant at their job, but misunderstood by their bosses and have a dark past, you know, they're, their family was killed by a serial killer. They lost their testicles in a, in a bomb blast in Vietnam, or they've got alcoholism and drug abuse or all of the above. I, I want a character who was more realistic, who has a family, who has brothers and sisters and parents and has to deal with those issues without a serial killer in her dark past, you know, that, that kind of crap. <laughs> and that also makes, I think, Eve Ronan, a different kind of character because she's got her mom to deal with and her brothers and sisters and, and nothing outrageous really um, haunting her. You know, she, she, 
when you look at some of these books, I mean, you, that I don't know how the authors write these characters. Like, really? How many of us have been wiped out by serial killers or, or whose ex-wife was a serial killer or, or whatever? It's just, I'm tired of it. I'm, I'm being haunted from the Taco Bell from last night, but that's another story. I'm sorry? Um, I'm being haunted from the Taco Bell from last night, but that's uh, another story. <laughs> anyway uh so she has some internal conflict uh i mean does she have some internal conflict or oh yeah, or, yeah. she she fears she's a fraud much like the author of the book um <laughs> and, and also having to live up to the high expectations she sets for herself the high expectations the media has set for her and the low expect go against the low expectations of her colleagues who are trying to sabotage her every step of the way and she's so relentless in what she does that she really is risking her own health. Uh, she's young, so she can pull all-nighters and stuff, but that only goes for so long. And that's one thing her partner is warning her about. You, you can't keep at this pace without putting yourself and other people in danger. The other thing that I hope is different about my books from some of these other police procedurals is it's, it's a straightforward police procedural, but there is humor in it. I'm a firm believer that even at the worst moments in our life, there's humor. And I just, I don't like books that are humorless and there are far too many of them that are. And I'm not talking about dark humor about, you know, murder and stuff, but the kind of humor between individuals, relationship humor, that kind of thing. So there is some, there is some fun in these books. There's action. What I'm trying to do is give you an escape from your everyday life to give you some fun and uh, some adventure and some exhilaration and I, I want you to get lost in the book and, and have a good time. I'm not trying to sell a message about sexism or women's rights or police corruption or anything. I'm just trying to tell a good story. I think it's important that you, you've, you've kind of made that distinction. It's kind of unique because so much of those books have, are just filled with so much cliche. How oh, do you feel yeah. about that? <clears throat> I can't stand it. It's lazy. It's absolutely lazy. And, and I purposely set up some cliche situations in these books just to undermine them and to poke fun at how stupid the cliches are. Like my Eve's partner, Duncan Donuts Pavone, is well aware he's a walking cliche. A big fat middle-aged detective days away from retirement who gets a new young partner. Of course he's going to die. Of course he's going to get shot. He doesn't want to walk out of the house because of, of the cliches hanging over his head. And of course the cliche is that he will hate her but there are things to hate about her and there are things to appreciate. And that's the other thing I hope to do in my books is there are no black and white villains. Mm. No, there's no one who's all bad or all good. The people who oppose Eve Ronan in some ways, I think are absolutely right to oppose her. You know, that she's not perfect. And I, I don't want to paint anybody in my books as a black and white villain. Mm -hmm. that's an interesting take on it do, do you find that because of i mean you've obviously written a lot between the tvs and, and shows and the books and everything else uh what was it that maybe you felt you learned with this new series that uh, or discovered or 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 maybe some new takes that you took from, from a summation of your experience this book these books the two eve ronans i've written so far were entirely new ways of writing for me I made the excuse me. I made the conscious decision to remove my authorial voice. I wanted my writing to disappear. I wanted readers to be able to forget they were reading a book. So I cut anything that called attention to the writing. With the 
possible exception of the first paragraph of each book, there is no authorial voice. It's just the facts, ma'am. I want the stories to be carried by the actions and dialogue of my characters so that if there's something clever to be said, it has to come out of the mouth of one of my characters or I cut it. Mm. So you're not going to find you know, wonderful metaphors about this and that and you know, great similes because I don't want you to notice the writing. So pulling myself out of the writing and, and trying not to be you know, clever and funny and, and colorful, whatever, by writing was hard work. It was a whole new voice for me. And it actually was harder than any other writing I've ever done where I can just be myself, where I adopt a voice or a, an attitude and that carries the book. Here, the attitude was no attitude at all. Hmm. It was just, but yet having the writing do its job. So it was a, a real um, challenge for me. And yet it's paid off. Lost Hills is probably the most successful book I've written commercially, but also critically. And I think that is due to the fact that no one wants to read my writing that I should have stopped writing. Well, a long time ago, just, I think that's, I think that's an awesome perspective. I see that. I see that sometimes in books, uh, you know, the breaking of the fourth wall, if you will, I don't know if that applies to books as it does in TV and movies. Uh, and there's sometimes when that happens where you're just like, I really wish you hadn't done that. I was, I was engaged and now you, you spoiled the, you know, that, well, I, I, I mean, people, there are people who read books for the writing who really want to see a beautifully crafted sentence, who want to see a great metaphor. And, and I, I, I can appreciate that. There are many times I'll be reading a book going, that was a brilliant sentence. But then I'm pulled out. I'm, I'm, I'm noticing the writing. And I have found that when I'm the most entertained by a book, I'm lost in it. It's all visual and, and I'm in the middle of that world. And as a writer, I will, I will notice how it's done you know, and appreciate the craft behind it. But in general, I, I tend to grab, I think, I think if you look at the books, for the most part, it's not a hard and fast rule. But if you look at the books that hit number one on the New York Times bestseller list, they're written in the way I just described. Michael Connolly, uh, Harlan Coben, Janet Ivanovich, Lee Child, they're, for the most part, very good at having the writing disappear. That, that letting the story and the characters and the momentum carry the book. And I think that's very important. I think that's brilliant. Anything we need to know more about the character? Clearly, we don't, we don't want to disclose. Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, you don't have to read the first book to enjoy the, the second. They, oh. they all are standalone. That's another beef I have. I don't like these books where you have to read 37 books before to appreciate book number 38. You should be able to pick up a book anywhere in the series and enjoy it just as much as the ones that uh, the people who've read all the previous books. That was the problem I have with J.R. Tolkien. He's a real jerk. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think I saw one of your interviews. Uh, Bosch had some influence, the TV show Bosch on Amazon. No, just I love the show. You just I, love I love, the show. I love reading Michael Connolly's books. I, yeah. I love the show, and, and I've wanted to write something like that. And, and you know, in some ways, I hate Michael Connolly because he's done the police procedural so well. It's like, how's anyone else going to do it? But, but then I thought about it. Ed McBain did a fantastic job with the 87th Precinct. Ian Rankin does a fantastic job with, with Rebus. There's room for another police procedural if you can find a fresh take. And that's the real challenge. Too many people right now are imitating Ian Rankin and Michael Connolly and Ed McBain. There are enough people breaking new ground in the police procedural space, I think. 
Mm-hmm. So do you see this becoming more than a three book series? You, you already have the third one in the can, right? Oh, I hope, but it really all depends on the readers out there buying the books because if the sales don't merit it, there won't be more Eve Ronins. So I'm really at the mercy, I'm at the mercy of, of readers to please, please buy the books. Or if I'm so lucky, I, God willing, there's a TV series, well, then that might uh, make more books possible. But then I'll have the weird experience of, in my books, I have Eve Ronan you know, agonizing over the fact there might be a TV series about her when there could actually be a TV series about her on the air, which would be really weird. I should have such problems. <laughs> So, uh, awesome, awesome book, awesome writing here. And I love how it's standalone too, where people can just jump in and then if they want to go back and read the original. Um, so, uh, my mom wanted me to ask you a question. Uh, These are about, my teeth. Well, no, I don't color my hair. <laughs> These are my teeth. No. And she I don't take your, Viagra. I think um, she wanted your number. Uh, let's see. Uh, on Monk, when you wrote that series, did was, was there somebody that you, you uh, based that on in your own life? I didn't create Monk. Monk was created by a fantastic writer named Andy Breckman. And mm-hmm. the show is really a reflection of him and his character. He's not obsessive compulsive, but he has a very unique sense of humor that we all tried to copy in a way. Uh, that show is pure Andy. And I was just along for the ride. Yeah. It's, I, 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 I tried watching it, but I suffer from ADHD, which made it worse. So I-, I don't <laughs> suffer from any of that. And my wife would read, I wrote 15 monk novels, original monk novels and four monk episodes. And my wife was like, you obviously know how to clean up after yourself. How come you don't do it? Why can't you be like the character you write? I know you know how to use disinfectant and a mop. Why don't you mop you? And oh. Wow. Every day is the big panther at your house. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, what a great, what a great actor. Uh, I, f- I forget his name, but what a Tony great Shalou. actor he was. Oh, you mean Peter Sellers is the big Peter panther. Peter Sellers, yeah. yeah. Uh, they were both this great actors, good, bad. I used to watch Monk and, and be like, that guy really is a good actor to, to have to play. I mean, it's a really complex, uh, uh, what's a concentrated character, I think. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. He did a great job and managed to make Monk sympathetic and real, not a cartoon character, because he easily could have become Maxwell Smart or Inspector Clouseau, but yeah. he didn't. And, yeah. and that's a testament to Tony Shalhoub's acting, but also Andy Breckman's writing and the writing of the of the Monk staff. And then we talked about this in the pre-show. She wanted me to ask you, is Diagnosis, Murder, Sequest, and Mystery 101 series. Uh, anything more coming? Anything more? Cooking? There will be more Mystery 101s. I mean, Sequest and Diagnosis Murder are finished and have been for quite some time. But Mystery 101 is going strong. I hope it runs longer than Gunsmoke. I hope it just keeps going. There's a sixth movie that's been shot and hasn't aired yet. But uh, I'm sure it's coming in the, in the next uh, few months. Oh, she'll be excited. I'll have to tell her that. She... She loves the shows. In fact, she she wants to read the book uh, as soon as I, I uh, go, uh, you know, hand it over to her. Um, so anything more we need to know about the book? What was into it? Some of the writing no, and just anything that, we haven't covered? That you, you need to buy it um, or the IRS will audit you. So you know, buy the book. It's, it's essential reading for you and your family. In fact, you probably need two copies, one to read and one just to admire on your shelf. There you go. In fact, you should probably buy a special pin light um to, to highlight it on your shelf so your friends and family know you're literate and well-read and uh part of our society there you go and you you have some of that in your background with some of your books oh yeah th- those are 
there we are. There we are. I, I forget the camera's kind of reversed. Yeah, those are um, shadow boxes, I guess you call them, um, of my books. My publisher is great about marking milestones. And when your book has sold 100,000 copies, they sell you, they send you, not sell you, they send you those, um, those you know, shadow boxed books. So th th that's a, a bit of pride for me. There you go. Awesome sauce. Congratulations. And it, it is a beautiful book, beautiful cover. It's very California with its palm trees. Oh, I, I should show you what's hidden behind my head. Let me move my head out of the way. That was the original cover for my last 357 Vigilante novel back in the 80s. They used to do painted covers back then, and I got the original painted artwork. And for each book, oh. they would paint something new in the lower half of the um, of the of the picture to, to depict whatever was happening in that book. So this before you know stock footage and and you know all the Photoshop and all that. So I got the original painting and I have that up on my. That's really phone. awesome. You should probably move that door over so that the the painting shows all the time. In I, your I Zoom call, should yeah. <laughs> uh so it was wonderful to have you on lee you're you're an incredibly funny guy and so having this wit in the book and, and the I writing be well, bearing my dark soul to you and, and now you're <laughs> laughing at me i'm sorry i'm laughing along with you uh this just in lee goldberg has a dark soul is, i, I do is i don't know I do. I'm just sure if it's news is it news <laughs> a hollywood writer has a dark soul the um, real reason my nose is running cocaine cocaine I got strippers waiting right outside that door there for me as soon as we're off the air. You know, we were talking about this before the show. It would really be funny if someone had like a, a dominatrix run in and she'd be like, are you ready for your I've session or something, the, you know, like when the be... pandemic had just started, there was some reporter, I believe in Spain, who was reporting on the news. And in the background, a naked woman walked up the stairs and it wasn't his wife. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, wow. He, well, he that... got nailed. He just... Uh... And he got nailed, and then his wife found out. Uh, so <laughs> it's awesome to have you on. Give us your plugs one more time, Lee, where people can find I'm you. Easy to find. You can find me at LeeGoldberg.com, also on Twitter at Lee Goldberg, and Facebook at Lee Goldberg. But don't confuse me with the Lee Goldberg, the weatherman in New York. I'm sick and tired of people complaining about his forecast to me every day and sending me pictures of snow and hail. I don't care. <laughs> Maybe you should do a book where you murder. I mean, that's the thing that they're sending stuff to this newsman, this weathercaster, really great guy. He and I have appeared together on TV, but I'm clearly not him. <laughs> you look at the picture. I'm not the guy. And you know, they, they bitch at me. You said it'd be sunny tomorrow I mean, today. And it's not. And we planned a wedding for today because of you. You. Uh, wow. Stay home and read my book instead. I thought, I thought, I thought my YouTube audience of trolls was, was brutal. <laughs> there you go. It's not me. Um, so thank you very much, Lee, for coming on the my show. Pleasure. We certainly appreciate you spending some time with us today. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks to my audience for tuning in. We certainly appreciate you guys being here. Be sure to check out Lee Goldberg's book, Bone Canyon. And uh, you can check out all of his other awesome books and, of course, his works on the Hallmark Channel and other TV shows. Uh, check that out as well. Go to your local booksellers or Amazon, wherever you get your books on good stuff. Make sure you follow us on Goodreads, uh, Forge Chris Voss, uh, Facebook, Forge the Chris Voss Show. Other groups on LinkedIn and Facebook over there. Also go to youtube.com forward slash Chris Voss. Hit that bell notification. You get a very special uh, award when you hit the bell notification on YouTube. You get this feeling that will wash over you of completing and achieving something. And 
uh, you'll get this tingly feeling of uh, just like your life has meaning finally. So go do that because it's a fun little adventure. Trust me, you'll like it. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. We certainly appreciate you guys. Be sure to watch for our upcoming episodes. Uh, also, I should do a plug. We wrapped, uh, there's over 700 shows going back several years uh, last year. Go back and listen to some of those old shows as well. There's lots of great authors we've had uh, on, and uh, they're fun to go back and listen to. And, all, of course, you can, along with Lee's book, you can program what you want to read coming through 2021 and put some goals down there. Thanks to my uh, audience for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time.